What a great presentation that was from Nicola, wasn't it? Great to see how much Greg and Emma are involved with that as well, too. I was thinking there, you know, Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in his name, you wouldn't lose his reward. You won't lose your reward. There'll be some wonderful rewards in heaven. They saw the results, and Nicola shared with us the results of what took place because of their involvement. But you know, sometimes we don't see any results, do we? We don't see anything visible. But I want to tell you folks, whether you see it or whether you don't, Jesus said, you'll not lose your reward. Whatever you do in his name, there will be a reward for it. Praise God. I want to share with you this morning, and I've entitled what I want to share, Our Future Hope. Our future hope. Whenever you want to share something from the Word of God, or when you ask to share something from the Word, you pray and hope that the Lord gives you the right word for the right time and gives you the word. And you sometimes look for confirmation that the word that you feel the Lord's given you is the word for the day. When Luke got up this morning, right at the beginning of this service, he started to read a portion of scripture from 1 Corinthians 15, George. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15. That um, is part of what I want to, want to talk to, to us about this morning. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit will just take his word and it will write it on our hearts this morning. Bring change to our lives. Amen? Amen. There's not many certainties in life. But there's one certainty. And that's one day you're going to die. Every one of us here, at one day, are going to die. It's an appointment we're all going to keep. So cheer up. This is one appointment we can't escape from, no matter what road people are journeying on through life. Let me tell you, this is where all the roads stop, here. No matter what roads people take, careers, whatever they're doing, they'll all come to a, a standpoint here, at this place called death. It's referred to as mankind's last great enemy you've got an enemy that you're going to face and I've got an enemy that I'm going to face as we leave this life it's called death there's no escape from it we've all got to face it the Bible says there's a time to be born and there's a time to die I really want to cheer you up this morning to say to every one of you, you are terminally ill. Hey up. You are terminally ill. You are all in the process of dying right now, right where you sit. Isn't it cheerful? Hey? It's just a matter of time. 
It's just a matter of time for every one of us. The only one thing will prevent you dying is that if Jesus Christ comes before you die. It's the only thing that's going to prevent you from dying. Not many people think about death or even talk about it. Billy Graham said this, he said, the last, this, this generation, or the, la the, the last generation didn't talk about sex. In other words, the generation before Billy Graham. He said they didn't talk about sex, it was a, a subject. He said, this generation that I belong to, sex is the main topic of conversation. Everybody talks about it. It's the main point. But he said, what this generation doesn't talk about is death. Talk about anything else, but they won't talk about death. Many people live denying the fact that they're going to die. Give no thought whatsoever about it. Preparing for so many things in life, but never preparing for a certainty. There's not many certainties in life, but this is one of them. And not many people prepare for it. Never preparing for the inevitable. And we should. You should and I should. We should prepare for that which is going to come to each and every one of us. So I'm talking about something this morning that affects us all, every one of us. We're all going to die. And the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die, but after death, then there will be the judgment. All mankind, all mankind, will stand before Almighty God. We will either stand before him as our judge or we will stand before him as our saviour and our Lord. But we're all going to stand before him, all mankind. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. That was the revelation that John got on the Isle of Patmos. The book of Amos says we are to prepare to meet our God. We are to prepare to meet him. That he was talking about Israel preparing to meet God as their judge because of their, they hadn't returned to God. And Amos said, prepare to meet your God. He will judge you. Friends, there are people who need to prepare to meet with God. Thank God, if we're born again, we're not going to meet him as our judge. We're going to meet him as our king, as our Lord, and as our saviour. Many people have trouble confronting this reality. The fact that we're going to die and that can come at any moment. Not one of us are guaranteed tomorrow. In fact, we're not guaranteed this afternoon. All we are guaranteed is this moment that we're living in. And it's no respecter of persons it's no respecter of age. It comes to all mankind. 
regardless of age. I've taken enough funeral services in the last three years to let me know that death comes to all people at all time and all ages. Last week, I took the funeral service of a young fella, 38 years old. He died of cancer. He left a little lad, 11, and a little girl, seven-year-old, and his wife. The week before that, I took the funeral service of a little baby and a little white box which was brought into church. Next week, I'm taking the funeral service of Mark Owens, 50 years of age. Mark was born again in this church, was baptized in this church. Next week, on Tuesday, I'm taking his funeral service. He went upstairs and he, his wife was on the, lying on the bed and he was joking at the end of the bed with her, just keeled over, gone. Talking to his mum last week and she said, he talked with me 10 minutes before that happened. It's right as rain. Friends, nobody knows. And we need to prepare because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. One time, British Prime Minister William Gladstone, he confronted a young man who wanted to go into law and into government. And Gladstone asked him what his dreams were. The young man said, as he was bursting with ambition and energy, he said, I want to go into law. Gladstone said to him, then what? He said, well, after I've gone into law, he said, I would like to go into government. Gladstone looked at him and queried and said, then what? Well, he said, after I've done that, he said, I really want to serve my nation. Gladstone said, then what? Well, he said, perhaps earning wealth and fortune, my fortune. Gladstone said, then what? Yeah, he said, well, I guess I'll retire and I'll live on what I've, what I've earned through life. Gladstone said, then what? He said, what do you mean? Then what? He said, then I guess I'll, I'll die. Gladstone looked at him and said, then what? There was silence. Because the young man had no answers. Gladstone said to the young man, you'd get better go back and think life through, young man, what it's all about. Jesus told the story of a rich farmer who'd got on well in life, built barns, big barns. And he got to the point where he was looking at what he'd earned. And he said to himself, 
Now I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And God said, you're a fool. This night, your soul is going to be taken. And then whose are the things that you've earned and built up for? Who's going to get them after that? Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Let me tell you, friends, your soul and my soul is the most important thing that we possess. It's, pre it's priceless. It's going to live forever. It's priceless. Paul, in his letter to the church at Thessalonica and Corinth, he, refu he refused to shy away from this whole subject. And he hit the nail right on the head when Paul talks in those two letters to the Corinthian church and the, th the church in Thessalonica. He, he hits it right on the head about this whole subject of death. And he begins to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And not only that, but the resurrection of all mankind. The Christian faith, the faith that I have, the faith that you have, has its foundation, friends, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Disprove the resurrection and the, and the Christian faith would fall like a pack of cards. And many have tried to, down through the centuries, many, many people have tried to disprove that Jesus rose again from the dead. And they've all failed. And Paul, here in his letter to the church at Corinth, points out some facts that mankind must confront, that you and I must confront if Jesus Christ did not rise, away, rise again from the dead. He he talks about seven things that we must face. Number one, if Jesus Christ has not been raised, there is no such thing as resurrection. Nobody will be raised if he wasn't raised. Number two, he said, if Christ is not risen, your preaching is vain. It's a waste of time. What I've been doing for the last 50 years, or, yeah, 50 years, roundabout, give or take a few, he said it's a waste of time. We might as well close the doors of every church because our preaching's been in vain. This morning you are listening to something that is absolutely useless if Christ is not risen from the dead. You listening to a man who's talking about something that is not really relevant at all. Paul says our preaching is in vain. All the other religions in the world are not based about or not based on the resurrection of their founder. All the other religions. They never say that their founder has risen again from the dead. But Christians do. Neither do any of the other religions 
claim that their founder was God. But we do. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is central to the belief of Christians. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, we are removing the central event of our faith. The basis of our faith. Paul says our preaching is in vain. We are wasting our time. Then he goes on to say your faith is vain. What you're basing your faith in is useless if Christ is not risen from the dead. Because we base our faith on a resurrected saviour. But he says if Jesus is not risen again, your faith is vain. Then he goes on to say, we are all liars. Boy, we are in real trouble if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. Because every one of us, friends, are misrepresenting God. Whom the Bible says, God raised him from the dead. And if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then we are misrepresenting God and calling God a liar who said he'd raised him from the dead. We're in big trouble. Even, even more so, number five, we are still in our sins. Folks, if Jesus Christ did not rise again from the dead, only a living Christ can forgive sin. And that means that you this morning as you sit here are still in your sin. I trust this morning that every one of us is sitting here knowing that our sins are forgiven. Amen? That we are, we've got a clean record in the sight of God. Forgiven. Washed in his precious blood. But if Christ did not rise again from the dead, Paul says we are still in our sins. To think that we are forgiven people if Christ did not rise from the dead, it's stupid. We are not forgiven at all. Then he goes on to say, believers who have died have perished. That not only doesn't have implications just for people who've died believing in Christ, it has implications for us as well. For the past 2,000 years, people who have died believing in Jesus, Paul says they've perished. And that means when we die, we too will perish. If Christ is not risen from the dead. And then finally, he concludes his argument by saying this. That if Christ is not risen from the dead, Christians are pathetic people. We are of all men most miserable. Christians are pathetic people. Says, he goes on to say, for this life only, we have hoped in Christ. For this life only. If it's only for this life, friends, that we have put our trust in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If it's only for this life. 
We have been pinning our hopes on a dead Messiah. That somewhere in the Middle East, there is a grave of a first century Christian, first century martyr by the name of Jesus of Nazareth who did not rise again from the dead. Our faith is worth nothing at all if Christ did not rise from the dead. We've only based what we believe for this life only. He said you to be all, all of all men most pitied. And after stating those seven devastating facts that would be the outcome if Christ had not risen from the dead, Paul goes on to say with a great shout of victory and triumph, but now is Christ risen from the dead. Hallelujah. He's now risen from the dead. Jesus, friends, is alive. Hallelujah. When he appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos, he said, I am he who lives and I was dead, but behold, I am alive and alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and of hell. Praise God. He's alive. We serve a risen Savior. We used to sing that song, didn't we? I feel a song coming on. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And I can't remember anymore. <laughs> and just the time I need him, he's always there. And then the chorus says, he lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Some of the old fogies, they know it in here. They can remember it. Praise God, I'm not the only one. We serve a resurrected Christ, friends. And the Bible clearly states that not only Jesus was raised from the dead, but the Bible states this. He becomes the first fruits of all believers. His resurrection guarantees that one day we too will rise again from the dead. In fact, all mankind will rise from the dead because of his resurrection. The Bible talks about two resurrections. And it says, blessed are those who take part in the first resurrection. I'm going to take part in the first resurrection. And so are you if you know Jesus. But after that first resurrection, a thousand years will go by before there will be another resurrection. The first resurrection will take place and the Bible says we will stand before the beamer seat, the judgment seat of Christ, to receive the things that we have done in this body, whether good or bad. Talks about wood, hair and stubble being burned up. 
It talks about gold, silver and precious stones remaining. What we've done for Jesus in his name. And God knows everything that we've done. He sees what no other can see. But the wood, the hay and the stubble, it'll be burned up. Don't waste your life, friends, for something that's not going to last forever. Lay up for yourselves, Jesus said, treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can corrupt or thieves don't break through and steal. But that final resurrection will take place a thousand years later. The Bible refers to it as the great white throne judgment. And that's what John saw in Revelations 20 when he said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And those whose names were not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. There's a whole new subject there that we could talk about. The second death. His resurrection was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. Abraham, when he took Isaac to offer him up on Mount Moriah. Do you know Mount Moriah is Jerusalem? Jerusalem's built on Mount Moriah. The very place where Abraham offered up Isaac was the very place where 4,000 years later, the Son of God was lifted up to die for the sins of the whole world. And this time, God didn't stop the Father plunging the knife into the Son. This time, friends, he died for the sins of the whole world. But the, that great chapter of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about Abraham believed. He was willing to do it. Why? He believed that God would raise up Isaac from the dead. He knew that in Isaac his seed was called. And he knew, he believed, Abraham believed the Bible says, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He believed that Isaac would rise again from the dead. Even That's why he was willing to plunge the knife in. And God had to stop him. And the ram was caught in the thicket. And so it was foreshadowed that resurrection would take place right there in the Old Testament. Jesus spoke about his, his resurrection many times, didn't he? He said, destroy this body and in three days I'll raise it again. He said, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three nights and three days, three days and three nights, so the Son of God, the Son of Man, will be in the bowels of the earth for three days. He said, you will see me again. He talked about his resurrection and his disciples didn't understand really what he was talking about until after. Even the Pharisees knew that Jesus was going to rise or said he would rise from the dead. Remember when they went to Pilate and begged for his body? They said, this deceiver said that in three days he'll rise again. Friends, Jesus didn't say he was going to rise again in a corner. Everybody knew what he said. Everybody knew that he talked about his resurrection. This deceiver said in three days he would rise again. If, if, he, if the disciples come and steal the body, it'll be worse than it's ever been. Why don't we put a seal on the, on the stone? 
Why don't we put your signature on the stone? Why don't we put ropes around it so they can't break in and steal it? And Pilate said, no, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Pilate, was it? It was it. Let me get this right. It was, um, it was the, the chief priests and the, the Pharisees who went to Pilate and said, this is what he said. This is what he said. So it was the chief priests and the Pharisees. They knew what he'd said. And Pilate said, you've got to watch, go away. Make it as secure as you can. But let me tell you, friends, no, nothing could stop that stone being rolled away that morning. Nothing could keep Jesus in the grave. Up from the grave he arose. What a mighty thing it must have been on that first resurrection morning when the power of God came into that body. And friends, we believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was bodily raised from the dead. Hallelujah. And he came out of that tomb. You know, the stone wasn't rolled away to let, you, let him out. It was rolled away to let us in. To see that he'd gone. The Bible says he made, he showed himself to be alive by many infallible proofs. Glory to God. Appearing first to Mary Magdalene. Then to the two on the road to Emmaus. Then to the disciples in that locked room. Then to James, the brother of Jesus. And then Paul said, he, I saw him as well. I was the last of the apostles to see him. But on that Damascus road, Paul saw the risen Christ. He's alive. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. And his resurrection changed the lives of all his disciples. Only John died a, a normal death. All the others were martyred. Friends, you don't get martyred for somebody who's dead. But they were willing to get martyred for somebody who was alive. Because they knew that what he had done for, was for them as well. How does the resurrection of Jesus affect your life and mine? What happens to you and me when we die? Well, we need to turn to the scripture. Are we doing all right? Alwyn looked at the clock before I got up, she said. <laughs> I know Sue keeps tabs on me as well. <laughs> what happens to believers when they die? Well, the Bible teaches, friends, that when we die as believers, we go straight into the presence of the Lord. Absent from the body, we will be present with the Lord. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. When a believer dies, they immediately find themselves in the presence of the Lord. As much alive and more so as they've ever been. Praise God. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And when we stand before him, or when we, when we die, 
we will find ourselves in that place that Jesus has prepared. But the body that you will have, and you will have a body, when you leave this body, you'll put this body off, and the next thing you'll be standing before the Lord in another body. You have an earthly body, but the Bible says there are bodies that are earthly and there are bodies that are heavenly. Celestial bodies. The God will give us a body as it pleases him. That's what the Bible says. We will not be unclothed. In other words, our spirit, the real you and me, that will leave our bodies will not be unclothed, but it will be clothed upon, the Bible says, with another body. But I want you to understand something. That body that you are going to be clothed with when you die is not your resurrected body. It's a temporary body given to you. But it's not the body that you will have for all eternity. You see, friends, it will be a body that will be fit for heaven and a body that will be fit for earth when we get our resurrected bodies. The Bible says our body, when we see him, we will be like him. So the body that we will get at the resurrection will be a body just as the body of Christ was when he came out of that grave. A body that is fit for heaven and a body that is fit for earth. The bodies that people have now are not fit for earth. They're fit for heaven. In that place that God has prepared. But at the resurrection we will have a body like he, like he had. Now we see through a glass darkly, Paul writes, but then face to face. Then we shall be known even as we are known. Friends, when we die and get into heaven, into that prepared place, we will know people in heaven. People will not have to introduce themselves and say, I'm John the Baptist. We'll know John the Baptist. We'll know Moses and Elijah. Remember when Jesus was on the mount and he was transfigured? There appeared to him on that mount of transfiguration Moses and Elijah speaking to him about his, what he was going to accomplish. And Peter and James and John who were up there with him, they knew it was Moses and Elijah who told them. They were in the presence and the glory of God. They knew. They didn't have to introduce themselves. Let us make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. They knew. And the Bible says when we get there, we'll be known, even as we are known. There'll be no introductions. We will know people. We will know our loved ones who have gone, gone on ahead. Hallelujah. We will know as we are known. Some believers or some people believe in this theory of when a Christian dies, they will go into soul sleep. They will go into a perpetual slumber. 
and they will arise only when Jesus returns. My Bible doesn't really tell me that. In fact, it tells me the opposite. It tells me, friends, the minute we die, the second we die, we are in his presence. And we'll know about it. Clothed upon with another body. Paul was caught up to the third heaven. They dragged him out of Lystra, dead. They'd stoned him. They thought he was dead. I believe he was. And 14 years later, he writes about that experience. He said, I knew a man in Christ 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. But I do know he was caught up into the third heaven. He was talking about himself. And there he heard and saw things that he wasn't permitted to talk about. Fourteen years later, he begins to talk about them. He heard, he saw things with his eyes of the eternal. Friends, when you read Paul, it was Paul who spoke about the future, wasn't it? He said the sufferings of this present time, they're not worthy to be compared with what's ahead. With the glory that's going to be revealed in us. He said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I'd rather depart, he said, to be with Christ, which for me would be far better. But it's necessary that I stay here with you for, in, in, to, at, at the moment. You need me here with you. But he said, I long to be with Christ. If he was going to sleep for, until the resurrection took place... He wouldn't have wanted to be with Christ straight away, would he? No, the Bible doesn't talk about soul sleep. The thief on the cross and the words Jesus said to him, Today, when these bodies of ours are hanging here and we're dead, you will be with me in paradise. As believers, let me tell you, we've got something wonderful to look forward to. The best is yet to be. And let me tell you, nobody who's got there would ever want to come back. They're in a far, far better place. Jesus said to Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who live and believe in me, even though they may die, they will still live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall what does it say? What does it say? What does it say? Never. That means you are never going to die. Your bodies are going to wear out. And this body's going to eventually die. But there's something inside of you that's never going to die. Something inside of you and me that's going to live forever. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through, and you don't have to wait for it until you die. You have got it now, right now. As you sit here, you have eternal life. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. So much we could say about this. What will happen when Jesus comes back? This is where Luke started us off this morning. When, when the Lord returns, we will receive a resurrected body. 
The second coming of Christ is referred to as the day of the Lord. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, he speaks of this day when the resurrection will take place. He says the day of the Lord will, will come like a thief in the night. When people are unprepared, but then he goes on to say, but that day will not overtake you like a thief. You are not of the night, you are of the day. Therefore, let us be wide awake, let us be ready. Luke talked about being ready last week. Let us be ready, because when he comes, we should be ready and waiting for his return. That day will not take us like a thief. The second coming of Christ, friends, will take place. And when he comes, the resurrection will take place too. Some people refer to it as the rapture. The Bible never mentions the word rapture, but it does mention the word resurrection. This first resurrection will take place. And the events that we are now talking about, you and I are going to be part of. This is going to happen to every one of us. Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain will not prevent, precede those who have fallen asleep. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ, those who've died in Christ, the dead will be raised first. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain unto this coming of the Lord, we will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. What will happen when the Lord returns? The Lord will return, the trumpet will sound. And Christ will come out of heaven. And with him he will empty heaven of all those who have died believing in him. And they will go back to their bodies, wherever they were. God knows where every particle of dust is. And let me tell you, a miracle will take place. The Bible says we shall be changed in a moment, in the splinking of an eye. This mortal must put on immortality. And this corruptible must put on incorruption. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. We might well be alive when Jesus comes back. But let me tell you, friends, this is going to happen to every one of us. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. The Bible says we'll meet the Lord in the clouds. And the Bible says on that day, every eye will see him. It doesn't say where we're going to meet the Lord in the air. I really believe it's over Jerusalem. In that great cosmos, that place 
You know, when you get up in a plane and you get beyond the clouds and you see the vast expanse, I believe the saints from all ages will gather there to meet the Lord in the air. The Bible says, so we shall ever be with the Lord. And on that day, his feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives, the place where he ascended from. And the Mount of Olives will split in two. The Bible says he will gather his elect from the four corners of the earth. Luke touched on it last week. He'll gather his elect from the four corners of the earth. And there will be this tremendous meeting in the air. We used to sing another song, there's going to be a meeting in the air, in the sweet, sweet by and by. I'm going to meet you, to meet you over there in that home beyond the sky. Well, we might have got a, a bit of our theology wrong because when the Lord comes again, we're not going to go. Friends, heaven is not your final destination. It will be your destination until Jesus returns. But my Bible tells me that when Jesus returns, we will come back with him to this earth. And so you're going to live. That's why you need a resurrected body. Because you, in the bodies that people have now, they can't live on earth. They're heavenly bodies. But in a resurrected body like Jesus had, you'll be able to live on heaven in heaven and on earth. And we will reign with him, the Bible says, forever and forever. Hallelujah. So we're never going to die. These bodies will perish, but God has given us this wonderful gift. And Paul says whether we wake up, whether we're awake or sleep, we should live together for him. May that which is ahead for every one of us, cause us to give our best for God. Only one life, it's soon over. Only what we do for Christ is going to last. May God help us to serve our generation in the will of God, to give our best for God. And may the message that Jesus is alive be on our lips. I thought of something this week. Friends, whenever you are sharing Christ. Ask people what they think about Jesus. Let that be the starting point. Let the conversation be about Jesus. Who do you think Jesus is? What do you think Jesus did? What do you believe about Jesus? Because that is the starting point for bringing people full circle to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. He's alive. They went everywhere preaching the resurrection. Father, I thank you that you are alive. You've got a great future and a hope for every one of us that one day, because of your resurrection, we too will be raised. Lord, we thank you for the future that we have, that we're never going to die, that we're going to live with you forever and forever. Thank you for the gift of God, which is eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. We give you praise this morning. And we say thanks be unto God 
for the victory that you've given to your people. We know that nothing will be able to separate us from that love. Neither death nor life, principalities or powers, things present or things to come. Lord, we are yours forever. Hallelujah. We give you praise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.